like us to go to the book of Acts in the Scripture tonight, chapter 27. And as you're turning there, all the children can be dismissed. All those that are four years old up through third grade, you can follow Mr. Ken out the back door. See, that's what I'm saying. I know. I, I kind of feel that way myself many times in the kids' meetings. I'm trying to figure out how I can be here and be in the kids' meetings at the same time, but I haven't figured that out yet, so maybe someday I'll be able to figure out how to do that. Acts chapter 27 is where we're at. Acts chapter 27 in the Word of God. And uh, I want us to get into a passage that is an is a easy passage to preach. Now, I'm not saying this is an easy message to preach, and I don't want to ever give the impression that it's easy to preach, uh, because it's a sacred and a holy responsibility. But this passage is easy to preach because what they say in Bible colleges and training schools is this passage is pregnant with meaning. And you probably at some point in your life have heard a message out of Acts 27. If you haven't, well, there's always a first time for everything. But Acts chapter 27 is filled with incredible truths about going through a storm, about how to avoid storms, about how to listen to the advice of uh, of godly men, uh, about just all kinds of things, what to do when you've gotten through a storm. A preacher honestly could spend months just in Acts chapter 27 preaching some of the different nuances and, and, and truths that are found in this passage. But tonight, for a few moments, I want to preach from Acts chapter 27 on, on this subject, uh, when you won't heed God's warnings. When you won't heed God's warnings. And let's look into the Word of God, but before we do, let's pray. Lord, help me as I preach tonight to preach with your anointing and your power. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd fill me with your Spirit and hide me so that only Jesus is seen tonight. And I pray that when people walk away, they'll have grasped, grabbed the truth. They'll have, they'll have been then completely arrested by a truth from your Word. And I pray, Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here tonight who's drifting into sin, drifting away from a place of truth and a place of, of right that you'd rescue them tonight. I ask Lord Jesus that you'd do a work in every single heart. Bind Satan far from this place. May he have no ability, no authority whatsoever to influence our mind and our thinking. And Lord Jesus, if there's anyone here who's not saved, I pray that tonight they would be born again. We'll thank you for what you do because we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This is a powerful passage on what to do when you won't heed God's warning or what will happen when you won't heed God's warnings. This is powerful. In this passage of Scripture, Paul is on his way to appeal to Caesar. He's already made his petition. He has been granted his request to go and appeal to Caesar. But, but when you won't heed God's warnings, you're going to be in a big-time mess. And there were those around the Apostle Paul who would not heed his warnings. Let's just look into this passage and see what's taking place. Acts chapter 27 and verse number 1. Notice our text, would you? Notice our text. It says, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And it, entering into a ship at, uh, of Adramitium, we launched meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us, and the next day we touched at Sidon. And Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lyce 
Lycia, and there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Nidus, the wind not suffering us, uh, we sailed under Crete over against Salmoni, and hardly passing it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, uh, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenicia, and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and the northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Now would you look this way for just a moment? There are several things taking place in this passage. Paul is on his way to appeal to Caesar in Rome. He had over a technicality and, and uh, he was seeing it as an opportunity to get the gospel out. He had already appealed to Festus and Agrippa and now he's on his way. And he gets here to Acts chapter 27 and the scripture says they're on their way. And while they're on their way, the fact remains that they are in a bad, bad place. I want you to see tonight when you won't heed God's warnings. Listen to me carefully. Sometimes a young person needs to heed God's warning. Sometimes that warning for a young person comes from a parent. Sometimes it comes from a grandparent. Sometimes it comes from a preacher. Sometimes it comes from a youth pastor or a coach or a teacher. Sometimes for a young person, that warning comes uh, from, fr from those that are around them. But a young person needs to heed God's warning. Uh, sometimes uh, a wife needs to heed God's warning. Sometimes for a wife, that warning comes from her husband. Sometimes it comes from her children. Sometimes it comes from a preacher. Sometimes it comes from an unexpected source. God is in the business of warning. You wouldn't think much of him if he weren't. God is in the business of warning. If the bridge is out, God's waving his hand saying, hey, the bridge is out. Why? He's a merciful God. He doesn't want you to go headlong over the bridge. He doesn't want you to go over the cliff. He doesn't want you to spend eternity in hell. By the way, God warns through giving the gospel. The good news of the Lord Jesus Christ is a warning. And God gives that warning through the gospel. And he warns people that there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And God uses gospel tracts. He uses the pastor preaching faithfully, the gospel in the service at a Bible preaching church. He uses an evangelist who comes along, and the evangelist is, he may be a little bit more excitable than the pastor. Sometimes the pastor is a little calmer. Ah, not necessarily every time, but, but uh, some people ask me, what's the difference between a pastor and an evangelist? And I say, Mountain Dew. Anyway, uh, really, the, the, the evangelist is maybe a little bit on more caffeine than the pastor, maybe. I tell people, coffee needs me. I don't need coffee. 
don't need coffee. Uh, but but I, I want to say that the, the, the evangelist is a little bit maybe more animated sometimes, raises his voice a little bit more, points his finger a little bit more, pounds the pulpit a little bit more, maybe gives a perspective on the Word of God that you hadn't thought of. Maybe gives a message that you'd never heard before. Not different, not a different message than the pastor. Hey, watch, if I'm preaching a totally different message than the pastor, then there's something wrong. Either there's something wrong with his preaching or there's something wrong with my preaching. Watch, I'm preaching from the same book. I'm preaching the same Savior. I'm preaching the same gospel. And if I'm preaching something different, then either I need to go or the pastor needs to go. Now, I know for a fact I'm not preaching a different message than the pastor. I know for a fact that we're preaching the same book and the same Bible. And you know, the evangelist comes along and he warns. And there's really, there's nothing magical about the evangelist. Uh, there's nothing, something so mystical about the evangelist. One of the things that is the strength of the evangelist is he's a different voice saying the same thing. Kind of like your uncle that comes over and visits. And, uh, and, and, and you're sitting there with your socks in the middle of the floor and your uncle says, what is the matter with you putting your socks in the middle of the floor? I mean, were you born in a barn? What's wrong with you? Pick up your socks and don't leave your socks for your mom or your dad to pick up. And your mom or dad have told you this 50 different ways from Sunday. And they've given you uh, incentives on the positive end and on the negative end of things. And you haven't learned the lesson of picking up your socks. And all of a sudden, this uncle that you love and respect and has come to visit for a few days says, pick up your socks. You say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And from there on, you pick up your socks. That's kind of what an evangelist does. You know, I'm a different voice. I'm not here all the time. And some of you are saying, thank the Lord for that. Boy, I'll tell you, preacher, I like the accordion, but only once every two or three years. And, uh, and I don't know about that. Now, and I completely understand people either have a love relationship with the accordion or a hate relationship, not a whole lot in between. I don't like that preacher. He raises his voice and pounds a bolt and points a finger. My pastor doesn't preach like that. He's got culture and he's got some, some kind of refinement. Not this evangelist spitting all over the first two rows. Uh, but you know what the evangelist is used to do? To warn Sometimes the warning can come from saved people. Are you listening to me? Sometimes the warning can come from unsaved people. You remember when Jonah was down in the bottom of the boat sleeping and the captain and all the sailors are on the boat and they're bailing water and they're throwing things overboard and they're crying out to their own gods? All of a sudden the captain says, wait, I'm looking at the, at the log sheet and the, and, and the passenger, uh, passenger registry. We've got more on this boat than just up, up here. He goes down the bottom of the boat and there he is, sawing logs. Jonah is fast asleep in the bottom of the boat. And he says, hey, wake up! He said, we're in a big time mess right here. He said, you need to get up and call upon your God, if so be that the Lord will save us. And, 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 and he gets up and he sees the boat tossing to and fro and back and forth and hither and yon and waves coming over and crashing down on the boat and the wind howling all around. And, 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 and he, he says, well, I know what's the problem. And he said, what's the problem? He says, I'm in Hebrew and I fear God. And, and, and they ask him, and they say, who are you? And the shipmaster rebukes the preacher. He, I, I, by the way, I know some preachers that need warning. I, I, know some, I know some Christians that are in Bible preaching churches that need warning. The Bible says the reproofs, that's a warning, of instruction, watch me now, are the way of life. If you can't handle warning, you're not going to make it in life. If you can't handle somebody rubbing your fur the wrong way, you're not going to make it. Uh, somebody came to Billy Sunday and said, I don't like your preaching. It rubs my fur the wrong way. They said, if the preaching, he said, if the preaching rubs your fur the wrong way, then turn the cat around. That, that'll fix the problem right out. 
Now, the fact of the matter is, young people and adults, that we need warning in our life. And we need people that will warn. And we need to make room to receive warning. Now, I know that's hard in our society. Our society, the number one commandment, the only verse that people think in the Bible exists and is in the Bible is not John 3.16. It's Matthew chapter 7, judge not. People think those are the only two words of the Bible. Well, I've got news for you. They're not. They're not. And those words are many times taken out of context. God does not erase the ministry of, of, of discernment. God does not erase the ministry of warning. And, and you, know, you know, we don't like resistance because who likes to be told you're doing it the wrong way? I mean, anybody here just getting in line? Can you tell me? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not the guy that likes to be told I'm doing it the wrong way. Uh, and I'm not the guy that likes to tell people they're doing it the wrong way. But I want everybody to hold up your hand right now. Just put it out there. I want you to do this with me, would you? Would you? Just touch all your fingers to your thumb. You have four fingers and one thumb on one hand. Do you know what the ministry of the thumb is? Resistance. If you don't have resistance in your life, you won't get a grip on anything. I need resistance. And I'm going to say tonight, thumbs up for the thumb. And thumbs up for the one who's willing to warn. And thumbs up for the person who's willing to receive warning. You know, that'll help a businessman from going into bankruptcy. When he's willing to receive warning. It'll help a, a ball team from, from losing the championship. Uh, winners are characterized as teachable. And part of being teachable is being willing to receive warning. Now, I've tried to raise my children this way. When I'm giving you instructions, don't ever say to me, oh, yeah, 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 I know that. I said, I don't want to ever hear those words come out of your mouth. I've told them that dozens of times. I said, because number one, you don't know, it. You don't know everything. And you don't know what you think you, you know. And number two, even if you've heard me give you instruction before, it helps to hear it again because you might have missed something the first time. And part of instruction is the ministry of warning. May it never, ever be said for another 25 or 50 or 75 years should Jesus tarry His coming that this church erased the ministry of warning from the pulpit to the pew. From the older generation to the younger generation. Again, we were talking with Brother Nick and Ken and Pastor today about this matter of passing the baton. And sometimes the older generation doesn't pass the baton, but sometimes the younger generation doesn't receive it. They just get off the track. They get out of the game. They say, I quit and pout and sit down on the stands or on the track itself. And, and the older generation is looked at as the bad guys. Now, I want to say, that's wrong. That's wrong-headed on many levels. And part of the reason why it's wrong is because there's either not a willingness to give the baton or give the warning and not, or not a willingness to receive the baton and receive the warning or maybe both. Do you know what the Bible teaches is continuity in the church, in the local New Testament church? The older generation teaches the younger generation. Let me say, all of you that are 50 years of age and older, you need to find somebody that's 49 years of age and younger and befriend them for a day. Just take them out to coffee. Uh, invite them over to your house for tea. 
take them out, guys. Uh, take them out to the gun range, men. Uh, or, or ladies, I mean, you can do whatever you want to. <laughs> uh, go, 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 go for a ride. Just go for a ride. Say, can I just talk to you? I was there once when I had a lot of kids. You look busy. I, I just want to encourage you to take time out and make sure you have time for your spouse. I know you're busy running around and wiping kids' noses and, and cleaning up after them in their vomit and their diapers and all that. And make sure you take time to keep the fires burning at home. Boy, you know what? A younger generation would really could really use that and would really appreciate it if their heart's right. Hey, hey, I would appreciate it. I've got teenagers, and I would appreciate it if an older man in the church came to me and said, oh, man, you got teenagers. How's it going? Are you making it? You know what Mark Twain said? He said, when they become teenagers, you put them in a box, put a hole in that box, and feed them through the hole. And when they're done becoming teenagers, you cover the hole. No, no, we need a, a little bit more substantive advice than that. But, but, boy, I remember when I had teenagers, you're going to make it. And, and you're there, there's going to be some days when you cry your way through your day. And there'll be some times when you're brokenhearted. And there'll be some times you think you're half crazy. And maybe they're right and you're wrong, but you just keep plodding on. Well, I, I sure could use that as a parent of teenagers. And, and you know what that does? That says... That gives me an opportunity to ask questions. Hey, the older generation, I'm talking like 25 to 50, need to be reaching down to the teenagers. Say, you're a teenager, aren't you? Are you making it okay? How's it going? Struggling with all kinds of crazy thoughts. Your brain restarts. You got all kinds of crazy hormones and, and, and things going on in your head and your body. You're going to make it through this teenage years. Don't you quit. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't you get out of church. You keep on coming to church. And you keep bringing your friends. And you live for God in your teenagers so that you don't have to look into your teenagers with a whole lot of regret and sorrow and, and I wish I had. You see, that's the way the church is supposed to operate. And, and sometimes that happens within the context of a Sunday school teacher to pupils. But sometimes it happens within the context of just one-on-one. -on -one. I'm just simply saying to you, there needs to always be in a church, a healthy church, the ministry of warning, someone willing to warn, someone willing to say, I don't think this is a good idea. Now, let me just pause and say something. That, that doesn't have to be the same guy every time. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I have a pastor friend that's pastoring down in South Carolina. Once he used to pastor in North Carolina. When he resigned, he, he asked a guy a question. He said, how come at every business meeting you said no? The guy said, well, I just wanted you to stay humble. <laughs> okay. you don't have to be the guy that always says no every once in a while you can say yes every once in a while you can say attaboy but I'm simply saying somebody needs to be willing to give a warning and if there's a real danger ahead and nobody gives a warning that's a problem if there's a real danger ahead and somebody gives a warning and nobody receives the warning that's a problem if there's a real danger ahead and somebody gives a warning and there are those that receive the warning, danger is averted. And that's not a problem. Now, how do you suppose the devil is on this thing of warning? What, what do you suppose his opinion is on the subject? Do you suppose he's for people giving warnings? 
and, and saying, hey, hey, don't go to hell when you die. Don't, don't, don't die and go to hell. Don't, don't do that. Get saved right now. Suppose the devil's for that or against it. For it, against it. What do you think? Oh, he's against it. No, he doesn't want you to know that there is a hell to shun. He wants you to live your life bouncing along through life thinking that there is no hell. He doesn't want you to think that the cross is of any meaning or any value or any weight or any concern of yours. He just wants you to think Jesus was a, a religious leader and a good teacher, had some moral things to say and probably some things you could follow. But, but don't follow him, I mean, to the nth degree. You'll be a radical. He doesn't want you to believe that. Do you suppose he's for an open Bible and an open mind? Let's look at what the Bible says in context and let's see what the warnings are. suppose he's for it or against it? Well, he's against it. Do you suppose within a church, he would want you to progress as a church into another generation, to another 25 years, and then another 50 years? Do you suppose he would want that in a church? Well, he'd be against that. I just want to put everybody on note and say tonight, the devil hates this church. And there probably, I don't know, but there probably are specific times when he's tried to take out this church. When he's tried to discourage the people in it, or the church pastor, or the church leadership, or, or whoever. He's probably tried to, to take people and drag them out of church. Why? Because he's not for a church. A church, by the way, stands, if it's doing the right thing, stands in its own way, in its own right. If it's a Bible-preaching church, it is going to stand as a conscience to that community and as a ministry of warning to that community. Mark it down. A church that does not salt and not light and the Christians by their life offer no warning and by their lips offer no warning, that's a waste of space on a, church, on a block. But a church that's doing things right, they're going to be contrary. They're going to be going against the flow. You see this? The same man that made the quote... That if you want revival, you go home and draw a circle on the floor, get in that circle and ask God to send revival to everybody in that circle. Said this, any dead fish can float down the current. It takes a living one to fight against it. So who's going to fight against it? And why should you fight against it? Because there's trouble at the other end of this current. So I simply want to know, that I want you to know tonight that the ministry of warning is a Bible ministry. And, and I ought to be willing to warn someone. I ought to be courageous enough, sensible enough. Watch now, look at me right here sensible enough to see danger ahead of time. The Bible says, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. I ought to be willing to look down the road and say, this isn't a good idea. This is going to lead us to trouble. And I ought to be willing to warn everyone else around. If I'm not, I'm a coward or a fool or both. So let's see, Paul's going to speak up here and you just read when he did. Uh, watch again Acts 27 and verse 14. Let's look at what it says. It says in verse number, uh, excuse me, go back. He says in verse 10, And said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Now that's the pre preacher. And in this case, he's not only the preacher, but he's the prisoner. And he's headed to Rome. What does a preacher know about anything? You say, people actually think that way? Uh-huh. A lot of people in Brookings think that way. Psst. Did he go to South Dakota State University? Oh, yeah. Where, where did he go to college? Oh, I never heard of that. You ever heard of that? I never heard of that. Probably doesn't even have an accredited degree. Psst. What does a preacher know about anything? 
There are a lot of people that live their life that way. And here the preacher is, standing, waving his arms, saying, don't go to hell. Please don't die without Jesus. Please come to Jesus. And the preacher makes it available for the whole world to see. I mean, if I, my guess is correct, I'm on YouTube tonight. And I'm saying to everybody on YouTube, don't die and go to hell. Don't perish without trusting Christ as Savior. Don't leave this world without being born again. And people are probably right now looking on YouTube going, that guy's a nut. Scroll on. Get, get off of that reel. What in the world's wrong with him? Why? Because he's just a preacher. What does a preacher know about anything? Well, I'll tell you this. The preacher walks with God. A Bible preaching preacher. And a preacher spends time on his knees and in prayer. A godly preacher. And a preacher that has had any kind of experience at all, whether it's one month or 50 years, is a preacher that you ought to sit up and note, note what he has to say. And when he's preaching the word of God, he's not preaching something that he came up with. He is here on the king's business. And he is here preaching, thus saith the Lord. And he is delivering a message to everyone that ought to listen and to some people that, that, that don't want to listen, saying, thus saith the Lord. You better sit up and listen when the preacher has something to say. And when the preacher is preaching the word of God, boy, you better take note. Especially if he's giving you a warning. He is agonized. Now I'll tell you, I don't envy the pastor. Not at all. And I don't ever want to be a pastor. Now, I'll do what God wants me to do. But I know God's called me to be an evangelist. You know what a pastor has to do? He has to preach 150, uh, he has to preach 150 new messages a year. It's like a hungry beast. And he's got to feed that hungry beast all the time. I don't. They say evangelists only have seven messages. That is a lie. We have eight. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I don't have to preach a new message every single time. I don't envy a pastor. You know what else I don't envy about a pastor? A pastor is ministering, praying up to his eyeballs, helping God's people. And he knows their struggles. He knows their heartaches. He knows when he's tried to warn them personally. And long before he ever gets to the pulpit and warns from the pulpit, he's warned people specifically and personally in many different ways. And he still has to mount the pulpit. He doesn't choose what he preaches. It's not up to him what he preaches. It's up to God what he preaches. And especially if he's preaching through a book or a series, and he knows, oh man, this is going to hit so-and-so right between the eyes. Lord, help me to be ready to receive it. And help me to be careful how I give it. I don't envy the preacher about that at all. I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on in your life, and your preacher doesn't tell me, and that's the way it's supposed to be. I get up and preach, and if I preach something that's grabbing your cage and rattling your cage, that's completely because the Lord's got a hold of it. Now, it's the Lord that gets a hold of it with a pastor, but the pastor has to preach the Word of God knowing full well what's going on. He knows when there's trouble in a marriage. He knows. His job is to know. His job is to watch and perceive and to care and to pray. Oh, please don't do it. Don't, don't disregard the warning of the preacher. The Bible preaching preacher, the spirit-filled preacher, the thus saith the Lord preacher, don't disregard his warning. What does the preacher know about anything? He's a prisoner. How's he going to help us? I wonder how many times he's been on a ship. I wonder what he knows about anything. Sirs, I, I perceive that this voyage is going to cause us some real damage. Look now at what the Bible says in verse number 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. See, didn't heed the warning. Well, when you won't heed the warning, there's trouble. Someone said, if you're dumb, you've got to be tough. And you better be tough, 
You know why? Because it's about to get rough. You say, preacher, where do you get that? All right, look at what the Bible says in verse 14. Not long after, what did they do? They, they, the haven was not commodious to winter where they were at. And so they, they went off that they might uh, attain to Phoenicia and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete. And when the south wind blew softly, they said, oh, this is it. This is just a little wind, just a small wind. It'll pick us up and we'll be on our way. They didn't listen to Paul. The time of fast was over. The time, the sailing was now dangerous because the time of fast was over. Verse 14, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlodon. Hey, when you won't heed God's warning, you better prepare for a hurricane of trouble. Let me say it again. Now, I don't know who's here tonight. I'm not preaching this because somebody told me to preach this, except the Lord. I, I sense that maybe I should preach this sometime this week. I thought maybe it was last night, but the Lord made it clear He wanted me to preach this tonight. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if somebody has tried to warn you, and they've given you clear, common sense warning and Bible warning, especially Bible warning, and you won't listen, well, brace yourself, because you're about to enter a hurricane of trouble. It might be financially. Your pastor and you are talking or somebody that's wiser than you is talking to you about your finances and you're spending more than you're taking in. You know, if your outflow is more than your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. And, 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 and somebody's warning you saying, that's not a good way to use your finances. You need to store up. And who knows what's going to happen under this administration. We may all be paupers before this year is out. And, and you better save up and you better tuck some away for a rainy day. And you just go on a spending spree and it's $5 here and $10 here and $100 there and $1,000 there. You, you're just acting like you, you own the Taj Mahal and, and, and it's all yours. Oh, okay. Prepare for a hurricane of trouble. You're going to be at a bad place real soon. And the creditors and the debtors' prisons are going to come. Uh, somebody warns you, young person, about your relationship with the opposite sex, and they say, hey, young lady, you better be careful of that guy. He's wanting to put his paws all over you. You better be careful of him. He's nothing but trouble. Oh, oh, he loves me. No, 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 no. He wants you. He doesn't love you. And if he's trying to put his paws all over you before you're even out of high school, then what he wants to do is he wants to get something out of you, and as soon as he does, he'll discard you like a used tissue. And the person warning it has been there. And the people around go, mm-hmm, yep, that's right. You better listen to them. And you won't listen? Well, you better prepare for a hurricane of trouble. Because what they warned you about likely will happen. And when it happens, there's going to be so much trouble, you're not going to even know how to function. You want the strong winds? This looks like a, a good wind. Oh, it's, a good, it's just a soft wind. I mean, we can throw our sails up and it'll get us quicker and closer to Italy. I mean, that's what we want. And we want this trip to be over. And you're impatient and you're not going to wait on God and wait. Uh, well, I'll tell you, good things come to those who wait. You know what that means? Bad things come to those who don't. And so when the, nobody likes the one that warns. I mean, he's a prophet of doom. Always speaking evil. Always throwing up a red. You know, he's kind of like the guy that the end of if, if the earth is near. You know, don't listen to him. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, you just tell me how that works out for you. You know what's going to happen? You're going to have a hurricane of trouble. Look else. Look what else. Look at what it says in verse 15. Oh, this is powerful. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. All right. Number two, when you won't heed God's warning, you better prepare and buckle your seatbelt to be at the mercy of the moment. Let me say it again. 
If you won't listen to the preacher, and you won't listen to your mama, and you won't listen to your dad, and you won't listen to your husband, or sir, quite honestly, sometimes we need to listen to our wives. Can I get a w- amen right there, ladies? Okay, all right. I thought maybe there'd be a few. I want to say, if you won't listen to the wisdom that is around you, then just be, be prepared to be at the mercy of the moment. And I'll tell you, the moment doesn't hand out mercy very much. The moment doesn't foresee what's taking place. The moment will chew you up and spit you out. The moment doesn't care about you. If you won't listen to warning, be prepared for a hurricane of trouble. If you won't listen to warning, then be prepared to be at the mercy of the moment. Uh, Look at what verse, verse number 16 says. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat. Ah. Be prepared for more work than you had bargained for. Listen to me. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, the way of the transgressor is hard. Translated, that means if you're going to be dumb, you've got to be tough. The way of the transgressor is hard. It's not easy, it's hard. And by the way, parents, our responsibility is to warn our children wisely, carefully, graciously, with tears, but over and over and over again. You say, preacher, I get tired of warning. Yes, so do I. But if we don't warn, pray tell who will warn our children. If the parents don't warn them, don't be watching that stuff on Netflix or YouTube. That's a bunch of junk. Don't don't be watching all that stuff. Don't be watching all these R-rated movies and playing those violent video games. That's going to trash your mind. Don't don't do that. Don't hang out with the wrong crowd. My son is sinners enticing. Consent thou not. If we don't warn them, who's going to warn them? I'm not putting a whole lot of stock in the public school system. I'm just not. Not not the same public school system that has three or four different bathrooms for whatever gender you decided you're going to be. Not the public school system that's in Middletown, America. I preached in the middle, and right in the middle of Iowa, the great state of Iowa, just southeast of Iowa in Bussey, Iowa. You know, about 400 people in the town of Bussey, Iowa. About 400 people in the town of Bussey. It's so far back in the sticks, the water tower looks like a cigarette. Now, I'm not criticizing Bussey. There are a lot of wonderful people there, but the water tower just needs a little bit of help. You know what I mean? I mean, the town's interior decorating committee could do something with that water tower. But right there in the middle of town, we had a fantastic meeting in Middletown, America. A fantastic meeting. The first Sunday, there were 35. The last Sunday, there were 78. And a bunch of people got saved. And it thrilled me. Thrilled me what God did right there in the middle of America. You know what they have going on in their public school? Public school, Middletown, America. They got some kids identifying as furries. That means they say, I'm, I'm, I'm a cat. Do you suppose that they have, have any adults leading that school that would say, stop that, we don't allow that around here? No, in fact, the adults that were leading the school said, oh, well, bless your heart. Well, here's a cat dish for you in the bathroom. And here's a cat litter box for you in the bathroom. That adult leading that school needs to be fired promptly. So what I'm saying is, I'm not putting much stock in the public school system to provide the ample and needed warnings necessary for a kid to make it through their teenage years. Not if they're doing that. Sorry. No. Uh, Okay, who who can we depend upon to warn? Will we depend on Hollywood to warn? Let's, Let's wait for Hollywood to make a Bible movie that is actually accurate. Oh, yeah, well... 
Didn't they do one thing like that with, with Moses and, and Charlton Heston? Oh, yeah, no, no, no that didn't hit. Uh, what, what about this, these new series that are coming out? What, yeah, are we going to wait for, for Hollywood to actually get it right? No, no, I'm not waiting for Hollywood to warn. Hollywood is a cesspool full of devils that wants to drag you straight to hell. Well, what should we, should we wait for the music industry to warn? No, the music industry is interested in one thing, your money. That's it. Well, who should we wait to warn? Should we depend upon parents? If you don't warn your kids, no one will. And if that means you're the bad guy, so be it. So be it. If we don't warn our kids, if we don't stand in their way of certain destruction, if we don't tell them that's a bad habit. Now let me ask you, is that biblical? Do you think that Jesus would be pleased with that? What does God think about this? I don't think we're going to do that. Or no, we're not going to allow that around here. And we don't prepare to be the bad guy to our children. Our children, are, we might as well just take them and sign them up for jail right now. Just take them down to the local jail and say, is there any rooms available? No, I did. I've done that with my kids. I've done that with some of my kids. I've marched them right down to jail. And I've talked to the, preach, or the police officers. And I say, okay, go ahead. You sit down with my son and you tell him what's going to happen if he continues this behavior into his 17th year. And I'm not ashamed that I've done that. And I'll never be ashamed. You say, wow, you, you're bordering on abuse. Call it whatever you want to. But my job as a parent is to warn and you know what, young people? If you won't listen to the warning of your parents and of those around you, then you better be prepared for more work than you'd bargain for. It's hard work. Uh, a man named R.V. Clearwaters was a preacher up in Minneapolis, Minnesota for years. He was the man responsible for training my dad in the ministry. And for 40 years, four decades, he preached at a church and made, he was a powerhouse for God. But he wasn't always a powerhouse for God. There was a time when R.V. Clearwaters was a delinquent and a rebel and a teenager that had walked away from what was right. And he walked away from what was right, and, and, and while he was away, his mom would write him letters. Do you know what she said? Oh, sweetheart, please, I, I hate that you're going through this, and would you please come home? No. You know what she'd write? These words, the way of the transgressor is hard. And God used the stern warning of his mom and the sound of crickets at night and the loss of a brother in a farm accident to bring him back to Jesus and he became a powerhouse not because those adults in his life just patted him on the head and tried to coax him along through a difficult time no they said you keep doing this and you're going to have more work than you bargained for you, you want you want to do it the easy way or the hard way which is it God's way is easy God's not all God's way isn't always uh, simple God's way isn't always uh it, it isn't always on a mountaintop but God's way is the best way I mean, you want easy? Don't go the devil's way. The devil's way will land you through a hog pen. The devil's way will land you three nights and three days in the belly of a whale. The devil's way will land the Israelites in idolatry and then land, the, and land, then land them in captivity. The devil's way will land the church into false doctrine. The devil's way will land a marriage in divorce and wreck and ruin. You want to see the devil's way? I can show you the devil's way on my phone tonight. You come talk to me if you want to, and I can show you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of texts from a preacher that decided he was going to go the devil's way, and he disqualifies himself from the ministry because of some dumb immoral act, and now his family is in wreck and ruins, and he's just about a basket case every night. You, 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 want, you want the easy way or the hard way? 
You won't listen to warning? Then you better be prepared for more work than you bargained for. Look at again what it says, verse 16. It says, running under a certain island, which is called Clouda, we had much work to come by the boat, which, when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quickstands, straight sail, and so were driven. You won't listen to God's warnings? All right, you better be prepared to be swallowed up by fear and trouble. Now listen, not all fear and trouble is the result of wrong decisions. Sometimes it's because we're under a cursed world. Sometimes God is doing something that only he's, His sovereign power can do it and He'll explain it to us in heaven, maybe. But I'm going to tell you something. If you go away from God's clear warnings from the preacher, from people in your family, from those that love you, from those that know, maybe especially from those that are giving you Bible warnings and they themselves have been there, you get better be prepared to be swallowed up. Look at it. Quicksand. Look at it. Look at what it says in verse number 17. And fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands. All the quicksands of trouble that come. Watch me, young person, and swallow up Anybody that's gotten off course. I'm not for you drifting into trouble. I'm a preacher trying to tell you not to go into trouble. I'm not for going the wrong way. I'm for going the right way. Will it always be simple and easy the right way? Will it be a whole lot easier than the wrong way? And by the way, it'll be a whole lot shorter. You think that shortcut is shorter? It's not. It's not. Look at what the Bible says here in verse number 18. In verse 18 it says, And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lighted the ship. Okay, 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 stop, stop. I don't want you to be here in this nice temperature-controlled auditorium where everybody's here and we're all singing together in this nice, wonderful way and, and we're going to close in prayer and a final amen and we're going to shake each other's hands and go to our car and go get a burger. I don't want you to be here. I don't want you to be right here in the Bible, right next to Paul. Paul said all the way back in verse 10, I don't think this is a good idea. And the centurion said, Psst, what does a preacher know about anything? And so then they leave. They go, oh, 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 there's a wind. Oh, there's a soft wind. Not a bad wind, just a soft wind. Let's go. And they didn't listen to the preacher and they struck sail. And all of a sudden they get going, see, what's that preacher? He's over there. He probably needs to be in a straight jack. He's just a bumbling idiot. And, and look at, on all of a sudden, And it was such a terrible storm. They named it. Uh-huh. Now, I haven't quite figured out why, why all the storms, hurricanes, are named after women. But anyway, I don't know why that's the case. But, but anyway, I, I don't know if Eurachlodon was a woman, but, but maybe, just maybe. But anyway, they were in the letter E, you know, in the storm season, and they'd already gotten past A, B, C, D, and now they're E, and so they're coming one right after another, and, and, and here he is. Here's a hurricane of trouble. And now... They're looking at Paul with a little bit different perspective. Centurion's thinking, he's not such a bummer. And then when, they, when they're at the mercy of the moment in verse 15, they, they, they were bare, born into the wind and we, we, we couldn't let up and we couldn't strike the sail and we couldn't let the sail and gather the sail up. And this is a big bunch of trouble. And now they're about to be swallowed up. Now they've had to put all kinds of tackling under the ship and they're getting out in the water and they're trying to break it away from the reef. And now the scripture says that they're afraid of being swallowed up by the quicksand and now they're swallowed up by fear. Watch, watch verse 18. Now this wind is just throwing that boat back and forth. Uh, number five, be prepared to be tempest-tossed. I mean, 
I don't know about you, but I fly a lot. And one thing I don't like is turbulence. I like a smooth ride. One thing I don't like is when the pilot doesn't know how to land. And, and when his wheels, when the wheels of the plane hit the tarmac, and by the time they hit the tarmac to the time they start, uh, from that time, I'm, I'm saying, oh, Lord, I'm confessing all the sins I'm guilty of and the ones that I'm not guilty of. You know what I mean? I don't like that. And I don't imagine anybody that flies likes that. Well, I'll say something to you. That's exactly what you'll feel like when you don't listen to warning. Now, I don't know who here needs to hear this message. And maybe somebody's getting madder at me the more I talk. But I'm going to tell you, if you won't listen to the warning, your life will be tempest-tossed. And when you do finally come to your senses, and you do finally come back to the church, and you do finally listen to the preacher, and you do finally come back to your parents, they're going to say, what happened to you? Because those who don't listen to warning will be. It's not a matter of they might be. They will be tempest-tossed. Look at verse number, uh, verse number 18. It says in verse 18, And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lighted the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. Now watch, you cast out the, the wares. You cast out the things that you brought, the beef jerky and the, and the barrels of sardines and crackers. And, and you toss out all the water bottles that you were planning to carry and get you through. And you toss out uh, all the treasures that you were carrying and maybe some things that you were going to sell when you got to Rome. But the tackling of the ship, that's the stuff that keeps the ship in shape. That's the, that, that's the kind of stuff that you need. But they're just trying to lighten it every which way they can because at this point, their, their lives are in danger. So watch, if you won't listen to warning, be prepared to lose what you have and then some. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm just simply saying, if you're a Christian tonight, you need to posture yourself to receive warning, whether you like it or not, and when necessary, give warning, whether you like it or not. When the preacher preaches and the, the words are weighty and he points his finger, you know you're required to have a long bony finger if you're a preacher, and, and, uh, and he starts to get down where you're living and you don't like it, you be prepared to receive it and thank God for it. And thank God you've got a preacher that's got courage enough to give it. But if you won't listen to warning, you better be prepared to lose what you had and then some. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say. The Israelites because they wouldn't listen to the prophets of God, would be invaded by outside nations. And do you know one of the first places those nations would go? The temple. And they would steal the gold vessels of the temple. And those gold vessels would never be recovered. From Solomon's temple, when Rehoboam split the kingdom and Jeroboam gladly joined in, Jeroboam led an idolatry and some of the kings of Judah were, were, were idolaters as well. When the outside nations came, all, all, God would send prophets. He would send Micah. He would send Habakkuk. He would send Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He would send Isaiah, the prophet with great oratory. He would send, uh, he would send Obadiah, the prophet. And he would send Jonah. And he would send these prophets. And they would give warnings. And the people said, there's a preacher now. They developed a hard heart. I want to tell you, this country is in a very bad place right now. Primarily, why do you know this preacher? Because they won't listen to the Bible preachers. If the president had any brains about him, he would bring a Bible preacher onto his administration and say, tell me, good, bad, or ugly, what's, what's going to happen? 
A Bible preacher will tell you right. And somebody who is walking with God will tell you right. And somebody who is wise, and you can't be wise unless you walk with God, they'll tell you right. This, this nation is in a bad place if they won't listen to Bible preachers. And I want to say something to you. When you won't listen to Bible preachers, you better be prepared to lose what you have. Hey, hey, didn't Hezekiah rebuild the temple? Uh-huh. You know what the old men did? They wept. Because it was a shadow of what it once was. And were all those gold vessels ever recovered? No. Belshazzar used them in the worship of his false gods and filled them full of booze. Mm-hmm. Why? What caused this? Some people that wouldn't listen to warning. Look at our text. We're all drawing to a close. Look now. If you, if, you, if you won't heed God's warning, prepare for a hurricane of trouble. Prepare to be at the mercy of the moment. Prepare for more work than you'd bargained for. Prepare to be swallowed up by fear and temp- trouble. Be prepared to be tempest-tossed. Be prepared to lose what you've got, what you have, and then some. Are you ready? Look at verse number 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, Are you ready? Be prepared for the guiding lights to vanish. The guiding lights... Where's where's the North Star? Where's the moon? Where's the sun? Clouds, storms, and the guiding lights vanish. Now, at any time in this process, if they decide to turn to God and pray, I believe God would have put the lights back on. But now, the lights that regularly would guide them, the North Star, the constellations, the sun, the moon, gone. Why? Because somebody wouldn't listen to God's warning. Just a simple, I don't think this is a good idea. They couldn't take it. They couldn't handle it. They were too offended by it. They were too proud to receive it. They knew better than the one giving it. And apparently they didn't. Suppose Paul is in a little bit better light now. Suppose they look at Paul differently now. Oh yeah, they'll listen to Paul eventually when it's almost too late. Look at verse number 20 and we're through. It says, when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. If you won't listen to God's warning, Then number eight, be prepared for hopelessness. This preacher I just referenced right now, he's hopeless. I could show you text after text after text. He's, uh, I just want to die. I don't want to live. I wish God would kill me. Yep, pretty hopeless. It makes me sad. And I'm doing everything I can to Give him a different perspective and tell him that I love him and that God hasn't forgotten him. I want to say this to you. Listen, I'm not preaching hopelessness tonight. I'm trying to keep you from hopelessness. I'm trying to tell you that when God's preacher warns or when your parents warn or when your husband or your wife warns or when somebody in your life has the courage enough to warn, you better listen up because the end result is hopelessness. The sun and the stars hasn't appeared for many days. All hope that we should be saved is then taken away. You're going to have to read what happens next to find out what happens. But I want to say to you, there is hope to turn any situation around if 
those who are in that situation will turn to Jesus Christ. If they will turn back to the wisdom that they once spurned and the advice they once scorned and the warning they once disregarded, if they will turn back with humility, hope all of a sudden will shine. So what's it going to be tonight? I would venture, if God has laid this message on my heart, He has brought somebody to this place who is lost and headed to hell, and this may be your last warning before you die. And you've got a chance to be saved. If you don't know that you're saved, you are hopeless without Jesus Christ. But if you'll turn to Jesus Christ, He'll save you and you set, He'll set you free. And turning to Him begins at the cross. When you come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and you are the only one I'm trusting in to be my Savior, at that moment you'll have hope not before. If you're here tonight and you're a Christian who's disregarded good warnings and godly people and godly counsel and good reproof, if you're disregarding that, you're on your way to what I just described. And just you, you, better, you better brace because it's all going to happen unless you turn back to God. And why not turn right now before all this mess starts? Why not turn right now before any further mess results? Why not turn back to God and heed God's word? Would you bow with me in prayer? You've been so tentative and so kind and patient, I thank you. I wonder with your heads bowed and your eyes closed tonight if you'd say, Preacher, I am not perfect, but I know that I'm saved. And as you preach this message tonight, God has laid someone on my heart who I need to warn. Gently, carefully, wisely, but firmly. And I know it's not easy, but I know that I have a responsibility before God to warn them. Maybe they're lost and they need to be saved. Maybe they're saved and they're drifting from Jesus. You say, preacher, I'm saved, but tonight God has laid someone on my heart who I need to be courageous enough to warn. Would you pray that I would do so in a right way that would please Jesus? If that's you, would you slip up your hand tonight? Slip it up high. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Don't be afraid of it. Oh, warning is not something that's easy. It's always something we try to think how we can do this and if we could avoid it. But, but when we warn, we're showing love, not hate. Don't let anyone confuse that. Question number two, how many of you say, Preacher, I'm the one. I'm the Christian you were talking about that's not been listening to my parents, not been listening to my, my spouse, not been listening to the preacher, not been listening to good wisdom. And I need to get right. I know there have been warnings that God's given me. I need to get right. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I need to get right tonight. Is there anybody here like that? I'm the one that needs to get right. I'm the one that needs to turn away from my danger and from my trouble. Anyone here? Just slip up your hand. Put it right back there. Question number three. How many of you without hesitation can say, Preacher, I, I still have so much to learn, but there's one thing I'm sure of. If I died today, I'd be straight in the arms of Jesus. I've been born again. I know that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. If you don't know that, it won't help you to raise your hand. But if you do know that, would you slip your hand up high, preacher? I know that I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. There's no doubt here. All right, thank you. You may put your hands down. Is there anyone here tonight that would say, preacher, I don't know that? I wish I did and I want to. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you slip up your hand so I can see it and pray for you anyway? You may be listening by YouTube and need to be saved tonight. You can bow your heart right there before the Lord Jesus and tell the Lord you're a sinner. Tell him that you know what you deserve, eternal judgment. Tell him that you realize that, that he's the only one that can save you. And call upon him and tell him that you're believing on him tonight, that he died and rose again, 
and ask Him to be your Savior. There's never been a sinner who's called upon Jesus who's been turned away. Let's stand, shall we? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Lord, this has been a serious message tonight. A somewhat a hard message. Lord, not an easy message to preach. But I believe it's what you've given us. And I pray that right away we bring these names before us that are heavy on our hearts of people that we love, that we need to warn. We know they're going down a wrong way. We know there's trouble ahead. and We're burdened for them. Lord, give us wisdom. Help us not to avoid warning. But Lord, when we do warn, help us to be wise and careful and compassionate, but very courageous in Jesus' name. As the pianist plays through this first verse, would you